0: This is Asked and Answered questions with Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola.
1: It was a bad result for the Steelers against the Browns on Sunday, and it resulted in offensive coordinator Matt Canada being relieved of his duties this morning, Tuesday morning, the week heading into Cincinnati. Labs, uh, I was pretty shocked to find out the news. You were pretty shocked to find out the news. I think everybody in Pittsburgh was shocked to find out the news, simply because this is something the Steelers rarely do.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, very, very rarely. In fact, it has never happened um, since, well, going back before Chuck Knoll was even hired. Wow. Um, And, uh, you know, the the last time the Steelers got involved in something even remotely resembling an interim coaching situation uh, was 1965. Um, That was... You know, that was during the uh, Buddy Parker era, and Buddy Parker was, you know, while the Steelers had some moderate success during his time as the coach, you know, one of the things that he was notorious for was trading away uh, future draft picks in bundles for veterans, uh, many of whom were, you know, towards the end of their careers. And, um, you know, in fact, one of the picks that he traded away <laughs> was used to draft that middle linebacker that the Bears had. What was his name? Oh, yeah. Dick Butkus. Mm. <laughs> Rings a um, bell. So uh, there was that. And then the other thing was, you know, Buddy Parker was known to uh, fly into a rage after losses and cut and trade people on whims. So, what had happened, uh, you know, late in the nineteen fifties and early nineteen sixties, Art Rooney Sr. had turned to his oldest son Dan, and kind of, I won't say turned over football operations to him, but gave him a much more significant role in those, in you know, managing the football operations of the franchise, and Dan Rooney. Um, was getting tired of, you know, losing all these draft picks. I mean, Buddy Parker would trade draft picks. There were there were years where the Steelers' first pick in the draft was the eighth or ninth round. So, um, after talking to his dad, Dan Rooney went to Buddy Parker and said, okay, no more trading away draft picks or trading or cutting players unless you run it by us first. And Buddy Parker said something to the effect, uh, I can't work like that. <laughs> Dan Rooney uh, said, I accept your resignation. Hmm. Boom. He's gone uh, right before the start of the 1965 season. So the Steelers at the time elevated Mike Nixon, who was an assistant coach on those Buddy Parker staffs, because, you know, you can't, there's, there was nobody to hire. I mean, you know, they're all under contract and you you don't have time so anyway, they hired Mike Nixon. I think he went two and twelve or something like that, and um, that was his last season. And uh, that was the last time that the Steelers ever did anything like that, because Dan Rooney's philosophy was, you don't want to hire and fire someone uh, during the season or in a situation where you don't have time to conduct a search. And, and replace the person because, you know, it can work out bad as it did in the Nixon uh, situation. Or if the guy is good, let's say he gets lucky and wins. Say instead of two and 12, they went, cause there were 14 game seasons. And instead of two and 12, say they went seven and seven. Well, now you're under some pressure to keep the guy because, Hey, look what he did. Right. And, he might not be the best person long-term for that situation. And then you're stuck with somebody that you wouldn't have hired if you hadn't been backed into a corner. And that's not the way you want to hire someone for that kind of position. Okay, so that was the last time that happened. And that also, uh, once Parker was done, there was no more trading of number one picks until Minka Fitzpatrick in 2020. 19 yes 2019 because they traded their 2020 right, yeah. first round pick to Minka, and i remember art rooney second saying about that later that that took a lot of thought um and debate before that was approved so you know the the steelers you know they don't they don't do that they don't hire interims and they don't trade future number one picks now now we have a situation where uh, there has been a, an exception to each one of those quote unquote rules. Uh, the first one, the Minka thing worked out pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, um, um, Mike Sullivan, excuse me, whew, I just had a brain cramp there. Mike Sullivan or Eddie Faulkner is in line to be the offensive coordinator. Th- those are who will be taking
1: over duties though. While Canada's gone. Correct.
0: Yes. Mike Sullivan will be calling. This is according to internet reports. Okay. Yes. Mike not Garofalo. Let me, right. Yeah. Mike Tomlin's, you mentioned we're doing this Tuesday morning, Mike Tomlin's news conference uh, today will be in a couple of hours. So I'm sure we'll learn a lot more about it at that time. But um, internet reports are that Mike Sullivan will uh, call plays from now on. He's the quarterback's coach. Eddie Faulkner is the running backs coach. He will, um, serve as the interim offensive coordinator and handle uh, the media responsibilities that come with that um, moving forward for the rest of this season. And then I'm sure there's going to be a pretty large search uh, done after that to, you know, find a replacement.
1: But the news today, of course, Matt Canada relieved of his duties. We'll see what the offense looks like Sunday against the Bengals in their first timeout post Matt Canada. We got a ton of questions to get to today and asked and answered. And we start with Jason Norton from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Are teams/slash players allowed to drive to away games? I don't know how quickly an NFL team can get in and out of an airport, but for the average Steelers fan, it feels like driving would be quicker. Has anyone tested that theory?
0: Um. You know, this is a pretty pertinent question being that uh, the Steelers played their annual game in Cleveland, um, you know, just last Sunday. And that is the place where the Steelers do not fly. They take buses uh, to the game in Cleveland every season. Um, During the early portion of the Chuck Knoll area, and it was only for a short period of time, the Steelers did travel by airplane to Cleveland as well. Now, Myron Cope, Uh, who was the um, uh, radio color commentator at the time, he always speculated that that decision to fly was made because Cleveland Hopkins International Airport, which is where you would fly into, is located west of the city. And Chuck Knoll had a sister who lived close to that area. And Knoll would always arrange to have dinner with his sister during their road trip to Cleveland. So that made it easier for them to get together to do that. Now, you know, I don't know whether that's actual fact or just another entertaining Myron Cope story, um, but the Steelers rather quickly went back to bus trips to Cleveland. The team, that's how they got there this past weekend. uh, They boarded buses at the end of the week uh, for the game that was, the date was two days ago or three days ago, the 19th. Now, let me just say that there have been some – modifications that have really uh helped this the bus trips you know some buses leave from the Southside practice facility some buses then they catch up with there are some other buses that pick up and drop off in cranberry for anyone who lives north of the city because if you're going to cleveland on the turnpike that's where you would get on in cranberry so it's kind of a one flow you know thing so it's easier, you know, depending upon where you live, a lot of coaches and players live north, um, they can take the, go to Cranberry, get on the buses there. It's a shorter trip, and then they're home quicker um, because back in the old days, um, when it was just buses leaving from the practice facility, you know, I would sit on the bus hmm. and would go past, you know, you get off in Cranberry, come down 279, and I would look, look up and would pass my house drive for another 35 (laughs) minutes and then get off the bus and then get in my car and drive another 35 minutes back to my house. So, you know, it was, it was nicer, um, you know, more convenient, let's say once, uh, you know, the, that additional little nuance was uh, attached to the trip.
1: I'm sure you had some jealousy, some nostalgia this weekend when you were sitting at home and not boarding those buses to head to Cleveland. You missed it a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. <laughs> mhm as i've said the two best things <clears throat> i i can experience in a, a moving vehicle cleveland in the rearview mirror and latrobe in the rearview mirror because as much of I, as i love training camp after 21 days in the dorm <laughs> I'm ready to come home. Yeah, you
1: love the ending just a little bit more. Yes. Jeff Bankovich from Elizabeth Township, Pennsylvania. I know the game clock stops on an incomplete pass, penalty, injury, and timeout. When does the clock stop when the ball carrier runs out of bounds?
0: Okay, out of bounds, stops the clock in the final two minutes of the first half, in the final five minutes of the fourth quarter. I would say second half, but if the game goes into, you know, um, overtime, That's why I always say fourth quarter for the second half. And then outside of those windows, clock may stop briefly to give the officials time to spot the ball for the next play. But then if it's outside of the last two minutes of the first half, last five minutes of the fourth quarter, then they wind it right away. Dave Sevelane
1: from Silver Spring, Maryland. Where is the biggest weakness along the offensive line? It sure looks like Kenny Pickett is facing a collapsing pocket on every pass play and that the running backs haven't had a lot of holes through which to run. How can this offensive line be improved now and in the offseason?
0: As for now, I think the um, insertion of Broderick Jones in at right tackle puts the five best offensive linemen currently on the roster, on the field, to start the game. Um, Moving forward, you know, I'm not ripping mason cole but if you're the question is how could it be improved uh, i think that if you look at the steel the franchise history at that position center um you know you have a couple of two of the greatest maybe centers uh in modern era nfl to play mike webster and dermani dawson both hall of famers um marquise Ponzi maybe he has a chance um to be a Hall of Famer as well. He is a two-time first-team All-Pro, which if you're voted first-team All-Pro at center, that is a designation um, by definition as you're the best center in the NFL because there's only one center on the first-team All-Pro team. Ray Mansfield was another pretty good center. He's in the Steelers' Hall of Honor as well. Um, And when you look at those guys, you know, Dawson, Pouncey, They were athletic and strong, and they were able to do things, you know, pulling out in front of running backs, getting downfield on screens and, you know, those kind of things that a lot of centers are unable to do. Plus they were strong enough to to hold the point in the middle of the field against, you know, the big nose tackles, Haloti Nada, you know, those kind of people that are in there too. Um, So if you're asking me where could they improve – Uh, I would look at that position and see if that could be upgraded moving forward.
1: Jeff Mayer from Fort Myers, Florida. It seems now that nearly every team that wins the toss defers and kicks off. Before this became an option, it seemed to me almost everyone chose to go on offense first. Why the shift in philosophy?
0: Um, I'll give you my theory. I mean, I don't know this to be a fact, but this is my theory. Um, It's kind of a reflection about how the NFL game is now. I mean, the games are so close. Often the outcome comes down to a couple of plays, few plays over the course of a game. And a lot of times those plays uh, happen in the second half. So if you defer uh, instead of taking the ball first, you then get the opportunity to receive the second half kickoff. And I just think deferring early allows the coach or the team to maybe steal a possession in the second half which is when so many of the games are won and so i think that's kind of behind that decision
1: rick jones from cabot arkansas how are players nominated for inclusion in the pro football hall of fame i was looking at the long list of names and came across joey porter james Ferrier, and james harrison Certainly, all three men are amongst the are among the greatest Steelers linebackers of all time, in my opinion. So I wondered first what criteria is used to nominate someone, and who does the nominating, and who does the voting to whittle that number down to the final inductees.
0: Okay, I'm going to try and condense this as much as possible uh, to answer Rick's question. Uh, let's deal with the nominations first. Um, th- and I and I got this right off the Pro Football Hall of Fame website. Um, any any fan can nominate any player, coach, or contributor who has been connected with pro football, and all they have to do is write to the Pro Football Hall of Fame at 2121 George Hallis Drive, Northwest, Canton, Ohio, 44702. Okay, the only restrictions involved in these nominations is that a player or and or coach has to be retired at least five years before he can be re- can be considered um so you know if um i don't know if you want to nominate um willie parker if you want to nominate whoever you um i might write you in this summer no i'm not i'm not a you're not a contributor (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know either um so anyway that's how (laughs) nominations have happened anybody Any fan can nominate anybody simply by sending it in to the address I just gave. Now, okay, the selection process. Uh, The Hall of Fame has a uh, 50 individual selection committee. Okay, That's made up of one media representative from each pro football city. There's two from New York and two from Los Angeles because those cities have two teams. So that's 32 people. Then there's 17 at-large selections, Uh, they're active members of the media or individuals intricately involved in professional football, so that's 49, and then the 50th person is the uh, president of the Pro Football Writers of America, that's 50, that is the um, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame Board of Selectors. Okay, now, they uh, also refer to as the Selection Committee, those 50 people. Okay. Now, what happens is their the selection committee gets an initial list of nominations uh, by March first. Then they get another list of nominations in July, and a third list of nominations is sent in September. Okay, that compiles all of the eligibles because you know there could be some people nominated who may not have been out for five years yet. You know, people may not uh, understand. You know the nomination thing. So the the Hall of Fame whittles down all of the um, people who are actually eligible, and um, then they, they they send it along to the committee. Okay. Then the committee uh, whittles them down. So uh, the the first list, they take all the nominations and they narrow it down to the top twenty five plus ties. Okay. Then the top twenty five plus ties is will down to the top 15 in November. Um, and then the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th finalists are the candidates in the coach, contributors, senior committees. They have, Those are separate committees, and those people nominate their finalists based on the rotation of whether it's a year for them or th- those categories or not. Okay, then the vote <laughs> uh, reduces 15 to 10. Then another vote, vote uh, reduces... 10 to 5, and then, and then it's a uh, thumbs-up, thumbs-down situation to determine that year's class for induction.
1: Roger Schaffer from Plum, Pennsylvania asks, what is the role of the practice squad during the week, and who are their coaches?
0: Uh, the practice squad uh, role, those guys do whatever everybody else does, all the other players. They go to the meetings, they go to practice, they eat in the same cafeteria, the same food, <laughs> Uh, There's no practice squad menu. (laughs) No, there's no practice squad menu. Same food in the cafeteria, um, uh, same weight room access and or uh, requirements, um, you know, the training staff, uh, rehab, any of that stuff. You know, when I mean rehab, I'm not talking about, you know, injuries so much as I'm talking about body maintenance. You know, if you want to get in the hot pool or the cold tub or, you know, any of those things that players do to maintain their bodies. All of that that is available to the 53-man roster is available uh, to the guys on the practice squad. And um, the coaches are the coaches. I mean, if you're an uh, offensive lineman on the practice squad, uh, the person who's coaching you is Pat Meyer, the same guy who's coaching the starters. So, um, yeah, there's no difference. So, um, yeah, that's why I think that when the Steelers are looking to replace someone who's injured, uh, you know, or make a change, or any of those in-season kind of things, they always look to their practice squad first because those guys have been around. Uh, they they practice with the team, they meet with the team, so they're familiar with how things operate: the offense, the defense, whatever they might be, special teams. Um, and not only are they familiar with the team, but the team is familiar with them. And so that's why on this particular for this particular franchise, when Cole Holcomb and um, Quan Alexander as two recent examples, guys who get injured and lost for the year, the first thing the Steelers did was look to the practice squad. And when they sign people from the outside at that point, usually they are signed to the practice squad so that then you get a little chance to see what kind of shape they're in, they get to relearn whatever might be new, like in the case of Miles Jack, right. who signed
1: gonna say that. to
0: the practice squad yesterday. He had been around the team certainly, um, but I'm sure there have been differences or changes to some degree, to maybe his position, um, the defense overall. Um, so they can gauge, uh, you know, he can relearn what he or relearn or learn for the first time whatever he needs to know. They can see what kind of shape he's in. Um, before you you know add him to the actual 53man roster
1: Red Mahoney from Roosevelt New York Jalen Warren looks extremely fast on the football field. what was his 40 timeslash shuttle time prior to the NFL draft and why wasn't he drafted?
0: um Jalen Warren was timed uh, at 455 in the 40yard dash this is during the his um, you know measurables or his testing leading up to that draft so he ran a four five five um and i don't know how much red needs to know this but uh, he asked so i'll tell him uh, he posted a 34.0 in the vertical a 116 in the broad jump you know, that's um inches not feet he didn't jump <laughs> 34 feet near 116 in the broad jump a 442 time in the shuttle and a 7.13 time in the three cone drill okay um if you're asking me why he wasn't drafted, again, I'm speculating here. Some of the things that I believe were working against Jalen Warren were his size, uh, physical size, five foot eight, two fifteen, um, and he only played one season at Oklahoma State. You know, he started out at Utah State, and um, you know, Utah State doesn't get a lot of uh, attention. Pub, they're not playing a uh, top schedule, so he was probably under the radar a little bit there. He had one, his one year at Oklahoma State. Um, he did pretty good there, but it was one year. Uh, and then in, I read some of the pre-draft scouting reports from around the league, and he was characterized, as I'm going I'm to quote here, a one-speed runner who lacked an extra gear with marginal elusiveness. He's a strong momentum runner, but he needs the hole to be there to hit top speed running downhill. So, in other words, what they're saying was he's just a guy. Mm. I'm translating. Uh, The Steelers, though, they saw things in Jalen Warren that they liked. They aggressively pursued him as an undrafted free agent right after the draft. So, um, you know, good for the Steelers scouts and uh, the guys who did the reports and, you know, for convincing Jalen Warren to sign an unrestricted free agent contract with them. Uh, The Steelers are known around the league as giving those kinds of guys opportunity and have for a long time since – Chuck Knoll was hired. And, um, you know, uh, I think you could say they were right about <laughs> going after Jalen Warren at this point.
1: And our final question today comes from Tom Offerman, the co host of the Asked and Answered podcast. <laughs> and he wants to know on the Labriola dinner table for Thanksgiving, does Bob Labriola mix corn in with his mashed potatoes or is that considered blasphemy?
0: There is no corn. There's no um, corn. No, there is. Um, what kind
1: of greens do we have? Are we just all greens into the,
0: into the dumpster? <laughs> um, there's usually some sort of uh, uh, broccoli. Okay. Uh, um, but no, there, there's, there's not, there's no mixing with the mashed potatoes. Uh, there's, here's another thing that's, and me and P- Mike pursuit always would argue about this. Okay. No ham. Yeah, Turkey I'm with you. Is the- no ham either. Yeah, I mean, um, and, there, and here's another thing: Thanksgiving is one of only two meals, holiday meals, that include no pasta.
1: What's so the other? What's the other go. holiday?
0: New I, Year's Day.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: Pork and sauerkraut, you know, is is New Year's Day. I tradition. never thought
1: of it like that, but you're right.
0: But everything else, you know, Christmas Day, Easter, Christmas Eve. Uh, all have some kind of pasta uh, involved. And, um, you know, I can honestly say that, um, you know, I'm in favor of that. But um, <laughs> I like, no, but I mean, I, I enjoy the, you know, the the pasta-free uh, holidays as well. But no, there's no mixing corn in with the, um, with the mashed potatoes. My mother, God rest her soul, would have smacked me with a wooden spoon <laughs> over the head if i had tried any of that
1: see so it is it would be considered blasphemy and then pie i mean are you choosing one over the other or is it an all of the above kind of thing
0: um, my, uh my um i always pick one and i go big i like the way you um, think but there's the thing that there's three choices there's um pecan yep um, pumpkin and apple
1: That's it, man. I mean, we're simpatico. We're in step as far as it comes with Thanksgiving, except for the corn and the potatoes. I don't know what it is about it. I just like a little corn in my mashed potatoes. (laughs) Maybe your mother can come from beyond the grave and smack me in the back of the head with her wooden spoon.
0: (laughs) I'd pay pay to see that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday. Enjoy Steelers and Bengals at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Our coverage starts locally at 9 a.m. For that game, for Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opferman. Thanks, as always, for listening to Asked and Answered.